Hey, caffeinators. Welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Hello from Arizona. Uh, Dave, we're not actually recording this in Arizona, but when it uploads, we will be in That's Arizona. Right, yeah. So I guess we're sort of in two places at mm, once sort of um maybe maybe we sort of figured out time travel um <laughs> anyway welcome to the vet tech cafe part cafe part tap room part petting zoo we'd love to thank all of the caffeinators out there for your continued support to our patreons uh for supporting us and just continuing to download our episodes and subscribe to all our channels if it's your first time to the vet tech cafe you can check us out on instagram facebook linkedin uh we have a youtube channel where we record the video for our taproom episodes when it's just Dave and I, and we uh, upload the video there, so you can subscribe to us there too. But if you have any questions about who we are or what we're doing, you can head to vettechcafe.com for all the info about Dave and I, why we do this podcast, kind of our history, and any information or questions you have should be there. Our merchandise is there. And if you have any qu- ideas for future episodes, if you want to be a guest, if you have a topic you think we should discuss or somebody we should talk to for an episode, definitely reach out to us. Um, you can Facebook message us. You can also uh, email us through our website. And uh, we've gotten a lot of really, really great suggestions that way. And some great episodes have come that way. So, Dave, how's it going out there? What's on your mind? I feel like I already asked you this question once today because we already <laughs> recorded an interview once today. But uh Two weeks from now, what will be on your mind? <laughs> right. Uh, well, I am still sick, <laughs> but only, only, it's only been five hours since you asked me that last. Um, right, right. Or, or six hours or whatever it is. Um, but I, I am still sick. I'm I'm hoping to be better uh, by the time we get to Arizona. That oh, would be I great. Because so. uh, yeah. that's what, two? <laughs> you better be. <laughs> three, um, um, it's about three weeks away. So yeah, I better be. I better be better by then. Um, but yeah, things are going sure. he- good here. How are things going out there? What, what have you been doing since uh, <laughs> since we last spoke? Yeah, yeah. Since we last spoke, uh, we we took Daphne for a walk to the park, trying to to get her having fun there. And she kind of smiled once when she was in a swing. Um, otherwise, was terrified of pretty much everything. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So we just did that, and I snuck in a little nap. Yeah, but that's 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 about it. So I did I did some napping and and uh, cough drops. That that was my nice, afternoon. Nice, good, 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 good call. Good call. Love it. Uh, well, we have another awesome episode of the Vet Tech Cafe coming to you guys today. Uh, today we have uh, Melissa and Trekken coming to the Vet Tech Cafe. She's a dedicated licensed veterinary technician, veterinary technician specialist in emergency and critical care. Whoop whoop. With 23 years of clinical experience in ECC, in addition to over five years of experience as a veterinary technician educator, she's passionate about the career opportunities for veterinary technicians and eager to share knowledge with students and fellow veterinary technicians. She's the president of the 
SCAVT, I'm going to try not to screw this up, the South Carolina Association for Veterinary Technicians, a district rep for NAVTA, and is also on their demographic survey committee, so we might want to ask about that. She was NAVTA's 2021 Vet Tech of the Year, and so much more, including, if you listened to our episode last year with Dr. Rourke, she was his recommendation of who we should have on the Vet Tech Cafe. So, Melissa... It just took us a long time to get... it, It sure did. It did. It did. Melissa, thank you so much for taking some time out to, to come to the Vet Tech Cafe. I know you're a, a, a strong caffeinator, shall we say. How do, how do you like your coffee? What can we get you for a caffeinated beverage of choice? Oh, I will take a non-fat toffee nut latte, please. Ooh, toffee Ooh, nut. toffee nut. All right. That sounds, that sounds delicious. I love that sounds it. sounds very sweet. We, we, <laughs> we will get that going for you. Um, if you don't mind, take us through your career path. I know you've been in the field, you know, a good length of time like Dave and I have. What got you into vet med? Kind of some stops along the way and, and what all you're doing now. So I've always loved animals, like I'm sure all of your guests say <laughs> when they start out. But I was a very science-minded. I was a biology major um, at a, at a um, college here in South Carolina. And one of the classes that I took was an independent study course because with the biology major, you can't just really go out into a career unless you're going to go further vet school, something else Mm. beyond that or teaching. And so they had created an independent study course where we could um, shadow different, like a physician assistant, veterinarian, different um, industry related professions to that. And I shadowed a veterinarian and loved it, but it wasn't the veterinarian that I was so intrigued by. It was the staff that were doing all the things. And at the time I had no idea what a veterinary technician was, which is sad to say, but I think that's one of our problems in our profession is that people don't understand what veterinary technicians are and what we do. So that caught my eye and I decided, hey, maybe this is more of a career path that I want to go into. Um, so I kind of reassessed what I wanted to do. Started working at a local practice as an assistant. They wanted to do on-the-job training for me. And then I started researching more, saw the value in credentialing and kind of moved to a larger practice where emergency practice, again, they were, you know, okay for on-the-job training, but they also, I approached them and I said, hey, I really want to do credentialing. Can we set up some sort of program where I can do tuition assistance, get me on that path? And it worked out. They sponsored me through St. Petersburg. So I was a St. Petersburg grad and it worked out really well because I was able to do that online and work full time. Awesome. Awesome. So I've been at the same practice 20, going on 23 years, which is really hard to imagine an emergency critical Mm -hmm. care because the (laughs) burnout rate is really high. Um, I did right after, during COVID, I did kind of switch a little bit to teaching full-time for two years. I've been an adjunct for a while, but I was a full-time instructor for two years, but I stayed part-time at the same practice. Um, And then a position came open for, here's a trigger warning for an ER nursing director. So there's a hot topic of nurse technician, you know, what are we going to call ourselves? But that's what this particular hospital called it. And it's upstate vet here in South Carolina. It is an NVA owned practice. Um, So I did take that job and now I'm adjunct some but um, full-time as the ER nursing director. Gotcha. Cool. Um, you know, I, nurse tech debate aside, I don't know what else to call it other than nursing. Like, I, I mean, we don't ever say teching a patient. Like, you know, so to me, that 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 almost is a more natural progression, even though like legally we're not nurses or all that. But like, I, I guess I don't, I wouldn't know what other word to use in that. I know. And it's so, it's so sad because I feel like our pro- profession is so polarized. Like, I feel like if we could just come up with something in agreement and focus on that and move mm-hmm. forward, 
we yeah. would get into a such you know so much better place than what we we're, we're just spinning our wheels. I completely agree. We can't agree and get along with each other in the professional yeah. anything about what to call ourselves and then to move on from that. So yeah. it's really sad to me that we can't just yeah. find yeah. find Com- a common ground there. And it's hard to like gain respect and get notoriety and get all these things that we want when we can't even decide on a title. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, sure. or or agree on a title, I guess, is for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. And I personally don't have a preference, you know, like whatever. I just want it all to be the same and for everybody to get along. <laughs> I just want, yeah, you know, yeah I, sure. me too. It, I, I really don't have a preference on what it what might be. So for sure, I'm, I'm for very sure. similar in that path where I, I don't care what you call me. Just keep paying me and let me do my job. Like I didn't yeah. pick technician. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's tell the public what we're doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't, um, you, I didn't pick vet tech, but that's, that's what they call me. So yeah. Yeah. Here we are. Here we are. Um, you mentioned in your, in your career path there where credentialing caught your eye and I'm guessing that's going back, you know, closer to the earlier time in your, in your career path there. So I'm curious, you know, I went through alternate route in California in 2009 and I remember kind of up until that point, late 90s, early 2000s, there weren't a lot of RBTs around. Veterinarians kind of had a, like, we don't need RBTs. That's kind of a joke kind of mentality. Um, certainly, we're not advocating for their staff to go through school. So I'm just curious, you know, thinking back to that time, was there any resistance to that? Was that kind of, were you kind of out of the box with that? Because I, I think back to my part of my career then, and that was like not the norm. Yeah, I, there were a, a few licensed technicians at the emergency cl- practice that I um, moved to. And the management was super supportive. I was really surprised. Mm-hmm. I just went to them with, a, you know, here's a goal. This and, and I even at that point had already looked into BTS for emergency critical care. And I was like, this is what I want to do. And, you know, I'm very passionate about it. And we just set up a plan for, you know, we'll sponsor you through school and you work for us X number of years, if you leave, then you, you know, we'll prorate what you would owe to the practice and just signed an agreement. And I was the first, first person that they sponsored through that, but they saw the value in it and they've done it since then. So I feel like, you know, and that was at the point where there was only one AVMA accredited online college, which was St. Petersburg. Now there's 10. So I really feel like, you know, in today's world, it's very possible for yeah for like for credentialing for sure and I, I kind of did the same thing with the practice I was at at the time which was also a, an emergency practice where I brought it to them and said hey I, I would like to get credentialed it's time if I if you pay while I'm in school and then when I graduate I will pay back the same amount for the same length of time and if I leave early then I just pay it back or you know so it, like but then I was the first one to do that but they did that for six or eight people over the next couple of years. And I know they've done it, you know, more since. So mm-hmm. it's, I think, again, it's kind of an out of the box idea, but I, I think it's something that people could bring to their management as an option and, and right. say like, you know, it, it, it works. Right. And well, I will say, you know, I've been there for 23 years, so they invested yeah. in me and I've, right. I've invested, they, they have more than had more than return on for sure. their investment. <laughs> yeah, you know, so. for sure. For sure. Yeah, And I think back to when I was, a young baby tech where, you know, we were uh, a CVT state. So we didn't really have, I think we had two CVTs on staff, but it was not really pushed by the veterinarians, whether or not that was by design, whether or not that was just, you know, we're talking 25, 26 years ago, maybe that just wasn't their, their focus. And I think now 
25 years later, I, I think there's more of a focus for getting technicians certified or registered or licensed or what have you. So I feel like that is a, a change in the positive direction. It, it's just it has to be more globally wanted, I think, by the veterinarians to encourage it technicians that are working as assistants to go for that, to improve the care that they're giving to their to the patients that we have. So thinking about uh, the profession itself, someone who's been in the field as long as, as Jeff and I both have, it, it's funny to, to think we've got about 75, almost 80 years of, of practice on this panel right now. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought, I thought you were just going to say you and I, and I'm like, Dave, I'm, I'm no, only no, 44. No, How much are you contributing? <laughs> the three of us, the three of but, us. But then, but then you said the three of us, and I was like, Woof. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cold man's um, hitting Dave hard. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's hitting hard lately. Yeah. Um, so thinking about that, um, how do you view the the profession? You know, someone that has has come up from you've been in in your practice for 23 years. How have you seen that the profession change over those 23 years? for the better, for the worse? And what can we do to continue that path if things are getting better? So for the profession, I feel like we are making positive progression. We still have a ways to go. Like we said, even just agreeing on what we're going to call each other and not arguing over that and and moving forward from that. But I do feel like, um, at least from where I'm practicing it, there is a push for credentialing. We've been working hard in our state to try and have better regulations for that because until the regulations match what we're trying to have with credentialing, it's kind of a catch-22. If you don't have the regulations that are needed, then people are still going to get away with non-credentialed staff. So right. um, we're kind of, I feel like we're at a crossroads, honestly. like it's We're to a place where we're either going to make great progression and it's very exciting or we're at a place where it's going to be complacent and we're going to continue to be allowed to, to, to be as it is. But I, I truly feel hopeful that we're at, we're going to make that, that, that pass in the crossroad to, to better, you know, more credentialing and, and focusing mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. And it, we talk, you know, we talk about title protection and it's great to have title protection, but if it's not enforced, then what's the point? Right. Correct. You know, and, and yeah. I have worked with so many phenomenal, on the job trained assistants. I mean, they're, they're great. I, I just wish at this point in time, you know, you can do any of the online programs, just do it, you know, just do it, Mm -hmm. get the credentials so that we can progress as a, you know, and, and move forward because until then, where we're just really just spinning our wheels. Yeah. And, and you mentioned in there too, you know, the legislative aspect of it. Um, one of our recent efforts, uh, episodes with um, Rose Shelley down in Puerto Rico, she talked about, I mean, you know, she talked about she's on faculty of, of one of six AVMA accredited programs on yes. the island, yet there's, and and they, they graduate veterinary technicians, but there's no legislature to support that. And so it's just like, like you, you use the phrase spinning your wheels. Like it's, it's just stuck in the mud. Right. right. And they have the added challenge of not having the Spanish version of the VTNE. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, yes. Yeah. yeah. We talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, you know, it, it, it's sad that, you know, State to state, some states have those problems. Some states seem to have it figured out. The ones that still have those problems can't seem to figure it out. But the other, but the ones that have it figured out also can't help and just continue to keep the ball rolling. For it, mm-hmm. it's it's such a frustrating process. Yes. Uh, so you know, one thing we kind of started doing in in one of our uh, recent episodes, something I I sprung on Dave during that episode <laughs> was was this was this idea of you know again you've been doing this a while now. If you weren't doing this, like if you weren't 
everything you've done up to this point, VTSECC, all of the things you're doing in our profession, if you weren't doing that, would you still be working with animals or would you think about, or do you think you'd be on a completely different, uh, like occupation path, completely different field? Knowing what you know now. That's a hard question. So knowing what I know now, (laughs) I think I would still be working with animals, but I have in the past year or so found that I really enjoy taking care of my team so that they Mm. can take care of the patients and the clients. So I feel like, and and it's kind of like Amy's Newfields episodes of, Mm -hmm. you know, oops, I became a manager. And that's so true. Like you, you don't have those. Um, skills, you, you, they don't teach you those things and you just kind of land in those roles and you either survive them and do well in them or you fail at them. And I, I feel like I've kind of gotten into a place where I'm okay stepping away from the floor to take care of my team so that my team can take care of the clients and patients. Now, I love being called to help place something that's difficult or help, you know, de-escalate a situation with a client or whatever that may be. And I I do still like going out on the floor and doing some of the nursing care too, but I feel like I have kind of, I I, I probably would end up in management of some sort or teaching. Yeah. And I I think when you think about that, you know, to, to get there, the path that you took where you're on the floor and you're working, you know, as a technician, that probably makes you a better manager because you know what your team is going through. You know what your team needs um, to be successful. So it sounds like, your answer is yes, I would still be doing this, but I'd probably be in a <laughs> yes. different yeah. in a different yeah. role. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I don't uh, know if I'd be as good of a leader without that path though. Because right. like you yeah. said, yeah. those experiences led to me listening. I've worked every shift, I've worked in every uh, covering CSR, covering, you know, different roles within the hospital. So I think that gives me a perspective to be able to to understand better where the team's coming from. Yeah, and, and it's not that it's not that people that aren't technicians or don't have a vet, vet med background can't do that role, but I th- I think mm-hmm. it's just easier if if you have yeah. that. It helps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. It's it, it's just a way to relate and and actually, you know, I empathize really, I guess with your team and the struggles they're going through as opposed to just being a blazer or a sport coat that that is just management. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about uh, vet tech education. What are your thoughts on the current landscape and, you know, what, like what we're teaching? We, we talked to somebody recently, Jeff, I can't remember who it was, um, that talked about, you know, the curriculum that we're teaching. Are we teaching them enough? Are we teaching them stuff that they don't need mm-hmm. and are the things that we need to add in? So what's your, what's your thoughts on the current landscape and what kind of changes would you want to make if you had that power to ch- make broad sweeping changes among, amongst the education aspect of our career? Yeah. Um, so having been in the education aspect of it, um, the curriculum, you know, we have the basic foundation that we have to cover anatomy, physiology, pharmacology, those types of things. But what I was very passionate to bring to the classroom was the real life, the critical thinking, the, Hey, let's talk about where the profession is. You're going to, you know, be working alongside somebody who is not credentialed. How are you going to handle that? You know, how are you going to advocate for yourself? How are you going to have these difficult conversations about pay wages, looking for benefits? Um, so, and I actually would assign your, your podcast for a lot of discussion questions for like the senior seminar, because you guys talk about so much on your shows about that are non-clinical that are very helpful for students to have a different perspective on, Oh, wow. Okay. I need to be mindful of 
burnout. I need to be mindful of mental health. I need to, you know, so I would bring those types of things to the classroom. Um, you know, we, we, you just can't teach the, so much as far as the leadership and management and that kind of thing. But I think sure. that we do need to weave in some of the real life critical thinking, where mm-hmm. is our profession at, um, have those types of conversations, not just the math, the science, the, you know, the, the, yeah. the book aspect of it. For sure. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Teach them, teach them the profession, not teach them to pass the test. I, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, certainly they can, they can study and get credentialed and all of that. But then once they're out there, uh, um, you know, and again, I was alternate route. So I was already working in the field when I went through school. I, I think for a lot of AVMA grads, they kind of start in veterinary medicine with the school and then kind of get out mm-hmm. into the field. And so they really have no concept of a lot of things. And one thing you mentioned in there that just kind of blew my mind, just having conversations with on the job trained people that didn't go through school that are doing the same mm-hmm. skills and all of that. There, there is so many converse or are so many conversations to have. And, and I think that's such a great point. Like it's hard to build. I can imagine it's hard to build that in the curriculum, but to me, that is one surefire way to create longevity in the field is expose them mm-hmm. to these ideas, have these conversations while they're still in school. Right. Well, one thing that we would do is we would have like a, on a surgery day, we would have a team like a surgery tech, an anesthesia tech, a runner and an elite tech. And so at the end of their day, they evaluated each other. The instructor evaluated the team and we would have those conversations of what went well, what didn't go well, like just like it would be for, uh, in a work setting. So they learn to receive that information in a positive way, like constructive coaching rather than it coming across as, Oh my gosh, somebody's going to tell me everything I've done wrong. But I think that's one way you can build things like that into the curriculum and teaching them to critically think, because if you don't use it, you lose it. I know I cannot remember anything about dentistry. I can't remember anything about, <laughs> you know, I'm not the person to trim the toenails they would need a blood transfusion if I did. Um, <laughs> you know, that's just not my skill. Right, um, right. But if you, if you teach them how to use their resources and use each other, so if you have a group of students and they all know their strengths and weaknesses, then they can, you know, somebody might not be the best at restraining a cat, somebody else is. So you teach them how to navigate through yeah. that, um, I think is, is important. And I, I hope a lot of schools will start doing that. Yeah, for sure. I guess the big question for me with with that, you know, we, we talk about all these things of, of adding in things that aren't in the curriculum now. Is there room for that in the curriculum or would it be smarter to add another, say, half a year to, to the schooling? Is, is that is that a possibility or do we have to squeeze all that stuff into the two year program? Obviously, if it was a four year program, there's there's time for that. But for people that are doing a two year program, is there room for that? I think the problem with that is student loan. I mean, you're you know, we're already having, adding student loans for these individuals who are going through and doing the right thing by becoming credentialed that at the end of the day may or may not be working alongside somebody who didn't do that. So I feel like adding more student loan debt is, is more of an issue than to try to creatively weave in those types of I agree. And, and I don't think it necessarily has to be for credit per se, but you know, I, mm-hmm. I think back to when I, cause I was an adjunct professor uh, at the school I graduated from and it was a four semester program and one class a week was four hours. Uh, and then they had a second class during the week, which was a different subject. And it was only two and a half hours for the four hour class, which is mostly what I taught. The lecture was maybe an hour and a half. And then 
the remaining two to two and a half hours was really just kind of busy work. Like we actually had time to do more, but there just, there wasn't, there wasn't four hours worth of lecture to have that, that time. And I think we actually had the time in there to have some of these discussions. And, and I, I did a little bit here and there, but even that was 10 years ago when a lot of this stuff wasn't really talked about yet. But I think with what, with what I know now or where I'm at now, I think if I was in that role, I would spend far more time talking about that stuff if I could actually get the students to engage in it than having them, you know, do a review, a book chapter or, you know, whatever it was that was, you know, essentially basically, you know, just to fill up the extra time. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Students loved it. They were very engaged, you know, with, with having these conversations and talking about it. And it wasn't that it had to take up a lot of class time. You could assign, for example, one of your podcasts and then just write a paragraph about it for a discussion question. And, and, and that, and then, and then they would go back and forth and comment with each other about it. And it, I, feel like it made them more engaged and then study more, you know, because then they're more engaged in the profession that they're working towards. I'm really curious. What kind of assignments do you give about us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they wouldn't be specifically about the two of you, but if an episode came but the up, show, I'm trying yeah. to remember that because you guys have so many good ones. I'm trying to remember ones that I assigned, but it would be, you know, talk, I know some mental health ones were, were ones that I assigned. I'll have to, I'll send them to you. I'll go back and look through the, the, yeah. curriculum, the, awesome. the course awesome. that I had, but and I think I reached out when I did. I was like, hey, I used an episode. Yeah, so you guys yeah. Know. yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, for sure. So there's been some talk online recently. I've seen a couple of different posts about vet tech education professors and the idea of should they have advanced training or advanced degrees and, and you being in education for a while now, I, I kind of love to hear your thoughts. It, it, to me, it's it's kind of the idea that you can be completely an authority on one particular topic where all three of us are VTS ECCs. I feel like we have emergency and critical care down, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're great at teaching it. And so this idea of teaching adult learners, and I'm just curious your your thoughts. What what do you think for veterinary technician educators? Should they have a, a certification or some? should they obtain their own CE in that kind of regard? Or what are your thoughts? I feel like if you're considered an expert in the field, um, so I only have an associate's degree currently. I am working on my bachelor's, um, but uh, with the VTS, of course, but the community college that I was at considered me to be an expert in the field with my years of experience and the background that I have. It's going to be really hard, I think, for us to find enough educators that have that are veterinary technicians that have masters and above. I mean, it's hard enough for us to find the time to get our bachelor's and then move progress up, you know, right, um, right. obviously veterinarians have their, their doctorate. So that's a hard question. I think it's gotta be the, I feel like the right person with the right real life experiences that, that brings those to the table, because I, you know, I feel like the best instructors that I've ever had are those that didn't just go straight from academia to academia, but were, academia then had real life experience and then came back in to share their real world experiences. And one of the reasons why I stayed connected part-time to the hospital that I was at was because I didn't want to lose that real world experience. I wanted to bring those cases back to the classroom. I wanted to be like, Hey, this is a case that we saw. These were the medications that we use and apply those to the pharmacology that they're learning because And I really feel like, I guess this would be one thing I would change is the order that we teach them in because anatomy physiology is right off the bat, right? 
and then they have surgery labs. But they would learn so much more if they were either together or want the because in the pharmacology the same way because then you go to your externship and you're like, oh, that's what that drug is, and that's why we're using it, and you better connect it if you're doing those things at the same time versus memorizing, memorizing, memorizing the anatomy, physiology, pharmacology, and then the 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 lights go off when you actually go to your surgery labs and start to actually see it. So that might be something that could be rearranged. Yeah. And, and when I was, when I was teaching, I l- like you, Melissa, I, I loved having that real world experience to be able to walk into a classroom and say, okay, before we start today, I saw this dog recently mm-hmm. last week or whatever, and then just kind of go off on that and then have them talk about it and say, mm-hmm. you know, what do you think about this? Give them that critical thinking uh, exercise to say, what do we think about this? And, and for the most, mm-hmm. for the most part, I had to like say, okay, yeah, let me help you work your way through this. But it got them thinking. And I, I feel like, you know, we talked about the the stuff where, you know, giving that professional education of this is what it's like to be a tech. I, I find that they find that more interesting than memorizing the lobes mm-hmm. of the liver yeah. or the lobes of the yeah. lungs. Like, yeah. Yeah. And we're teaching them the, the tools on how to get to that information. So yeah. we'll always have the references. We'll always be able to ask each other or it, I feel like it's more important for us to teach them to t- the tools that are needed to critically think their way through um, versus trying to just be robots of memorization. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, before we get too much further into this, we're about halfway through now. Why don't we take our little break here? Uh, we'll pay some bills and we'll be back after the break. The Vet Tech Cafe is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online that's more affordable than traditional in-person therapy and financial aid is available. Caffeinators receive 10% off the first month using BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, to join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Don't take our word for it. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily at betterhelp.com reviews. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash reviews. If you want to take charge of your mental health, visit BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe and get started today and get 10% off your first month. Be well, caffeinators. Welcome back to the Vet Tech Cafe. Uh, we are going to be in Arizona when this launches. So this is the cafe that you can actually meet your your celebrity technicians and actually have a beer with them if you want to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's that's our niche famous uh, tagline <laughs> there. <laughs> so, Melissa, we just had our ad for better help. And one of the things we always like to ask out of the break is how do you manage your own mental health? Someone that has lasted 23 years at one practice. I'm sure you've had some in emergency and critical care, in emergency <laughs> critical care. I'm sure you've got some stories to tell us, but how do you manage yourself? How do you manage your own mental health? It took me a long time to figure this out, but boundaries, mm-hmm. boundaries are very, very important. Um, and having a core network of close, there are in the same profession, but friends and they check on, you know, we check in on each other, you know, like how, mm. how are you? Are you okay this week? You know? So I think that's for me is what has helped me. 
but boundaries, being able to say no, which I'm really not good at, sure. <laughs> which is why it took so long for me to reply to emails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always find myself uh, spinning too many plates at one time, but yeah, yeah, I hear but that. Setting I hear boundaries, that. I've gotten much better. Yeah. Um, curious, just going back to the, um, you know, talking to to your students and stuff. Have Have you had those conversations with students, like setting boundaries in the field and? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's 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 so. Yep. I, I, again, that wasn't I, like a thing when I was teaching, so I'm just curious. But like, I think that's yes. such a great thing to talk about. Yes, talk about that. And I do remember now one of the podcasts that I signed. It was one where you guys had someone who was outside of the profession, like started their own businesses, doing relief work because I wanted them. It's important for me for the students to know that they aren't locked into a clinic. There are industry jobs. There are, you know, animal poison control. There's so much they can do without being in a clinic because not everybody's great at blood draws. Not everybody's great at placing catheters. You know, some people just don't have the best clinical skills, but they have great, maybe they're great at microscope. You know, maybe they're great at reading slides and doing things like that. There's places for them in IDEX, you know? So it was really important for me to let them know that up front. You know, if you, if you get into these labs, don't feel like almost to you know a year and a half into this that you're not going to finish this degree because there's plenty of options out there for you yeah for sure or if you just or if you just don't like clinical medicine i mean that's that's some people too like you you can still be a vet tech in a number of different ways if if clinical medicine just isn't for you i mean you got to learn the skills and you got to get through it and you got to do some stuff but like you can really go a lot of different directions yeah Mm -hmm. for sure and i feel like that's that's hard for young technicians that are just coming out of school because they're they're you know, they feel like they have to prove themselves. And, and to some degree, they do have to prove themselves. And setting boundaries, I, th- I think, is is harder for them than it is for us because they, they're they expected to prove themselves. I don't know. This generation is a lot different <laughs> than you and I were. All right. Maybe, maybe that's just my thought process. Yeah, because, you know, they're kind of like what we should have been like in our generation because they come in and are <laughs> yeah. like, I'm willing to work a weekend, but not every weekend. I'm willing to you know, because I want to have a light, you know, so I think that that has changed a little bit there. I don't want to use the word entitled because I don't feel like that's a fair word to use for, for this generation, but I, I feel like they've, they're just different. Um, and where we yeah. were just kind of like workaholics, they're not, yeah. I mean, they, they'll, they'll do the job, but they, yeah. they already are coming in with a mindset of, okay, I'm, I'm only going to work 40 hours a week, mm-hmm. or 36 hours a week. I, I just, there's a, it seems to be a big difference. Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. that's just something the older generation needs needs more help with than than the younger yeah. generation. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah, I mean I I mean I think back to those those early years, you know, working 80 hours a week at at one job just because it was open to close every day yeah. and mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm glad that I'm glad to hear that's shifting a little bit cuz that's Yeah. Yeah. That's again going to just contribute to better longevity. So, kind of transitioning away from education a little bit more towards the organizational aspect of veterinary technology. So, SCAVT. First off, you know, kind of brag about your organization a little bit. President of a of a state association. I have just come out of that role last year myself. Curious what you would like to see improved in. in state organization, state vet tech associations or organizations, and then what challenges does SCAVT face as an organization? Interestingly, I think we face the same challenges as most of the other state associations <laughs> as we network, you know, being a district rep for NAFTA and kind of speaking with some other state reps. I think we all kind of have the same struggles. You know, you get 
you get good board members and you get a lot of engagement and then, you, you know, you, you get some good activity with membership, but then every, this is a volunteer for everybody, you know, so mm-hmm. it's hard to find the time. It's hard to carve, carve in the meetings, carve out the, you know, but, but we we have a, a, a strong group right now. We seem to be making a good bit of headway, really been passionate about trying to make an improvement in our state and attending a lot of LO, our um, veterinary, state veterinary board meetings, mm-hmm. um, regulation meetings, trying to be very involved so we know what's on the radar to how we can push for change. Yeah. And how is working, how do you find working with VMA? You know, do, do they seem to be, the veterinarians seem to be supportive of your efforts? Do they, you know, does it seem like your goals and some of those things are aligned or you feel like sometimes you're working against each other? Yes. No, I have to say that um, for South Carolina right now, we are very much in a line. Our vet association will reach out. They'll ask, you know, what is your opinion on this? How do you think we can work together? Give us some ideas. You know, we all know that we have a shortage of veterinary technicians. What are some ideas of solutions to how do we get more you know, working together on coming up with ideas for that. So yeah, I feel like we, we have a very good working relationship together. Awesome. And how do how do state associations, you know, just thinking about like trying to be collaborative, and I know we have NAFTA in, involved, but is there a way that, that the different state organizations could, I don't want to say bypass NAFTA, that's not re- really what I'm saying, but how, how can we get them to kind of coordinate and get to these goals on their own as opposed to, I don't want to say waiting around for NAFTA because that's not really what I'm trying to say. But <laughs> but how, how do we get them to kind of do these things independently? Right. So um, as part, so again, being a NAFTA rep, one of the things that we try to do is pull our districts together. Um, so a lot of them, I haven't yet done this, but it's on my my to do list. But it's getting all of their states together on a Zoom call, like all of the yeah. representation, so yeah. that they can talk out these. Okay, what are your mm-hmm. issues? What's what's happening? You know, how have you gotten over overcome these? And just networking together, because as you both know, networking in our field is powerful. Um, so yes, I, yes. that I think that's happening. Um, I think uh, that the Puerto Rico situation, you know, that Trish is, in, is from Florida is the district rep for them. And she's really done a good job of trying to reach Puerto Rico and, um, you know, get get help to them um, where it's needed. So I know um, that a lot of district reps are doing those Zoom calls where they're including their four or five states, however many they have together to collaborate. Yeah, I think that would be awesome if there was just like, you know, the second Monday of every month at right. 7 p.m. Pacific or, yep. you know, whatever it is, there's just an open Zoom room and whoever mm-hmm. is available um, mm-hmm. from state associations can just come in and talk about successes and failures and, you know, drives and like, Hey, can we follow each other on social media so that our organization can share what you're doing and, mm-hmm. you know, and just those kinds of things. And because I, I almost feel like that's what it, it has to be is, is the, the individual state leaders kind of coming together to, mm-hmm. I, I think we, as you said, we all kind of face the same challenges and a lot of that to work through those challenges, I think is going to come from working together. Yeah, that's very true. And it's sad again, because there's so many states that are anti-NAFTA still, you know, that Mm -hmm. you're trying to, you know, reach back out and say, okay, what can, what, what, what common ground can be found? You know, we all have to have work together here. Um, but it just depends on who you have in leadership roles in various states as to how receptive they are to that. Um, yeah. So, you know, 
there are states that that don't respond at all to sure. you know to tr- trying to reach out. So, but hopefully that'll get better. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that's tough. So we had a recent episode, I, I said, kind of at the outset with um, Rochelle, the 2022 Nav Tech of the Year. Um, you were the 2021 recipient. I'm curious, what did that look like for you? Um, talk about that a little bit. Did you, you know, win a cruise or a new car or helicopter <laughs> or anything fun like that? Or I'm totally kidding, um, obviously. But like, you know, what what did that look like for you? That's a big, big, big achievement honor. Yes, it was, it was very humbling. Totally did not expect it. You know, when I received the the letter that I was even a nominee, I literally, I was in tears because I was like, how am I even with all of these big, you know, these great people in our profession, how can I even be considered as one of the final, you know, top picks or whatever. And it, it really opened up a lot of doors to be able to have a platform to speak, like even on a local level. So once the the, the press release went out, um, all of the local newspapers wanted to interview me and, and talk about things. And, and it brought up conversations that most people didn't realize that there is, that there are varying staff members. You know, they just go in and assume that everybody that works with their animal is a credentialed staff member. And they didn't realize the challenges that our profession faces. So when I was interviewed, I brought up some of those. And there was a lot of um, feedback, you know, about how, wow, we didn't realize this was a, an issue or a thing to discuss. Um, so really opened up a lot of doors. And then um, met a lot of people, Dr. Rourke. Um, I met, you know, networked with him some. And so I was, I listened to the episode with him and I had no heads up that he was going to recommend me. So when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> Dr. just recommended me to be a guest, which I was of course thrilled and honored with about too. But it, it just really, it, it was a very busy year. Um, a lot of, like I said, doors opened, started working with the recover admin team. So Dave, if you got emails from me, that was, yep, or from yep. Lissa, <laughs> that yep. was me. Yeah, um, we've been, so we've been in contact. Been Mm-hmm. It's been awesome. very busy, exhausting, but 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 fun. Jeff, that may be another thing we need to do as a recurring thing is is finding the technician of the year recipients and, and have them yeah. on every, every yeah, year. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, always a good uh, always a good idea. Um, so, uh, looking forward, you know, twenty twenty three. This is and and beyond. What do you see yourself doing? What kind of goals do you have laid out? Any other projects you're you're working on or that you're shooting for the rest of the year into 2024 and beyond? Um, so right now, a big focus for me is um, as I've taken on the new role for the ER nursing director is again, taking care of my team, trying to get things sorted out with them. Um, I feel like we're moving in a good direction there. I would like to complete my bachelor's degree. That's, that's a, a goal of mine. And again, it's just a personal, we're always wanting to learn, right? So I don't know why I'm other than just continuing to learn. I want to do that. I'm still doing some fun projects with Dr. Work a little here and there. I'm doing some rec- recover admin work. So staying pretty busy. Cool. And adjunct. I still love teaching. Uh, I love being connected to students. I want to go in and teach them the recover certification, do whatever adjunct work that they need done and stay connected that way too. Awesome. And you were on the, um, the NAVTA demographic survey committee that just came mm-hmm. out recently. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to read through the whole thing, but can you summarize <laughs> and, and pick out some of the, the highlights, some of the things that you were surprised by or some of the things that were encouraging to you? Yeah. So encouraging to me was the pay. Um, I feel yeah, like the I pay thought that too. Like it was going up. 
we tried really hard to get the survey out to anybody we could, not just NAFTA members. So I know there's been a big thing of, well, what population of people are receiving this survey? What who's responding to it? And it's just like science, you know, you pull what you can, yeah. and yeah, you can you only have you, to, you can only control you have so to much. Extract the data, <laughs> yeah, from what you can get. I feel like the mental health, you know, talking about the mental health has was was big because we we asked those questions in the survey, the longevity in the career. So uh, that was a surprising number to me personally, because we keep hearing, you know, four or five years is about the expiration date for technicians in the field before they move on. But then again, you look at, we've got people taking this that have been in the career for a while. So, you know, how is, how do you balance that? But yeah, I was encouraged by it. I feel like we're moving in the right direction based on that survey. Yeah. And I thought that, like you said, with the, with the pay, I, I think it said the average pay that people reported was 25-ish an hour, I think. And my last full-time like on-the-floor job, which was three, four years ago, uh, now I do relief, so my pay is a little bit different. But I, I wasn't making 25, even as a 20-year veteran in, in the field. So that's encouraging mm-hmm. that, that the needle and was And we tried to even to break it down bit. by state to see and make sure that yeah, it was, yeah. you know, because is it regional? Is it, you know, and it was yeah. pretty pretty average for what was reported. Interesting. We had a pretty good response. Yeah. 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 And, and Dave, you know, I think when we did the tap room after this came out, we talked yeah. about, um, you know, as far as the longevity goes, like, you know, maybe people that are the four or five year turnover, maybe they're not, those aren't the people that are members of NAVTA and members of their state tech association. Right. And so those that have been in a field for a while, those are the the association members and, and what have you. So, but again, like, I don't know, maybe statistically there is a way to account for that or offset that, but I, I can't imagine how you do that. I mean, you can only get the, right. get the numbers from the data you've collected and, and the data says what the right. data but says. It, and, it could be also be that we're keeping them. We're just keeping them in a different aspect of the field. So maybe they're yeah. going into industry. Maybe oh, they're not yeah. staying on the clinical okay. floor, That's but true. they're moving into another aspect of That's a great point. Practice. Yeah. That, that, because there's a lot out there. Yeah, that, that 15 years or whatever it was doesn't necessarily have to be clinical medicine. That could be right. two, three years clinical medicine and then anywhere else in the field as long as they're keeping their credentials current and doing whatever it is they're doing. Yeah. So, um, you know, as we kind of start to, to wrap up here, Anything that we haven't covered yet, vet tech education, organizational work, anything along those lines that you want to, you want the caffeinators to hear about before we close? I think we about covered everything. I had, I didn't, <laughs> I just, I, I, I think it would be important to say that, you know, we're all in this profession for pretty much the same reasons. You know, we love what we do. We love the animals. We love the clients. And I think at the end of the day, we all want to leave this profession better than when we came into it. So we're, I feel like we're all trailblazers in our own way, trying to make it better for the next generation. And I just really feel like we need to find a way to come together, find common ground on whatever we want to call each other and just educate the public on what that is and what we do. And and make this profession, we all know what it is, it's a great profession to be in. And it's, ex- and it's exciting time to be in it because the ball is in our court. I mean, we're in such high demand. We can really advocate for ourselves. And, you know, I think it was maybe Amy who said, you know, we have really taken control of our own profession in a lot of ways. And I think that's very positive um, that we're doing. But just, 
I would, I would like to see less polarization. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, that, that is a hundred percent less politics. That, I mean, that's, that's the one thing that's going to move. That's the one thing that's going to move us forward is if we, if we unify and, and all come to the same answer, it's just, we've got to, we've got to get off our high And there's got to be a compromise somewhere, you know, like yeah, not exactly. everybody's going to yeah. be happy. It's going to yeah. have to be a compromise and, and until we can find that place, I'm afraid we're going to be somewhat stuck. Yeah. 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 And just accepting that, you know, if, if this is the right path, it doesn't necessarily mean this one is wrong or that, you know, it's just, as you said, we're all blazing our own trail. That can be a very wide trail, you know, a little bit over here and a little bit over there, like just keep and leverage everybody that's doing their own thing, leverage them using their their power, if you will, or their pull to Mm -hmm. pull it in this direction for that. But then this group over here used their pull to pull it in this direction for that and just come together to keep moving forward kind of globally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think also when we think about setting an example, you know, people like us that have been in the field for 20 plus years, whether or not, whether or not we, we want it or not, we are seen as leaders. We are seen as an example to, to how, how you should behave and how you should act in this profession. Melissa, obviously you're, you're a leader, so you're actively doing that. But you know, there was a time <laughs> when I was a, a supervisor and I did not like being a supervisor. I, I, I didn't want to manage people. I wanted to manage cases. And, you know, I kind of stepped down from that supervisor role and I had somebody tell me on a, on a review of, you know, the yearly annual review that just because you don't want to be a leader doesn't mean you're not. And I, I really took that to heart to say that, yeah, I've got letters after my name. I've got years of experience. People are going to look to me as a leader, whether I'm I'm wanting to do that or not. And for those of us that are in similar situations on, on in this field, realize that what you do and how you act and how you, how you say things is going to have an impact on the younger generation because mm-hmm. we're the example that they're following. Yeah, and yeah. Mm-hmm. You are the example for somebody. Yeah, for somebody, whether you whether you want it or not, you are. Um, <laughs> but I feel like that's that's great, even for for people like you, Melissa, that are actively being leaders and and consciously trying to to lead your team, which which I think is great, and I think that's that's needed by by people in positions like like we're in. Uh, Melissa, you were recommended to us by Dr. Rourke, so we're going to turn it on to you now. Is there <laughs> a person that you would like to see in your seat or even just a topic that you'd want us to explore in a future episode? I have thought a lot about this and I have a tie. Is it possible to say a oh. tie or do I have Oh, yes. Yeah. One? Yes, please. The please more the give better. us two names. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one is Jesse Brown. She's a licensed technician who I, she was actually a student for me. Um, and I, I know you've asked this question. I heard you ask this question to somebody before. What do your students go out and do? She uh, started a blood bank um, at the hospital where I'm currently at. And then she went nice. on to BodiVet, which is, um, it was uh, pharmaceuticals. Um, they have a human side, but they were branching out into veterinarian and she helped develop stable plate. I don't know if you guys have ever used that in practice. Yeah. Or not. I've heard of it, but, but I haven't Jesse used helped. it. Yeah, I have not. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so she helped to develop that, and she's one of those people that she doesn't like to, you know, brag on herself, or she thinks that she's not. We'll make know. her. Um, but she's yeah, she's <laughs> she's one of the the people that I when I'm talking to students, I'm like, this is one thing you can go out and do, and and she might not be in the clinic every day, but she has saved countless lives of animals by the research and the work that she's done. 
Um, so definitely Jesse Brown. Yeah, that sounds that yeah. sounds great. Yeah. And then Adrian Cruiser, um, who has the Facebook page Vet Techs Without Scrubs. Um, she okay. does a lot of work on trying to make sure everybody knows that they can do things outside of the clinic as well. And and has she's a great speaker, has a lot of great ideas, and and is um, she's on yeah, our we, state board as well. We definitely uh, follow her um, on our socials and stuff. We'll have to reach out to her. I, I've yeah. definitely mm-hmm. seen some some good things from her in the past. I just didn't know mm-hmm. her or who she is or, yeah. or really anything about her. So so that'll that'll definitely be both of those. Really, I think will be fascinating. Yeah, yeah. If you can get us yeah. a contact for the other, yeah, like an sure. email for the other person, we would love to talk to her. Sure. Yeah. All right, and now it's down down to the question that Uh-oh. you've been dreading all night. This is the scary time. And you know the deal now. You you pick a number, and I've got three questions all lined up here for you. So one, two, or three with for two. you, would you rather? With two. All right, most with people two. pick two. Would oh, you I like rather this, one. this is my favorite of the three. Yeah. This one's been on the this this one's been on the list of three for, for a number of episodes. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Okay, would you rather be trapped in the universe of the last movie or the last TV show that you watched? And what movie or TV show is it? Oh, definitely TV show. Huh? And what TV show is it? I don't know, but it wouldn't be one of... Uh, no, it wouldn't, I wouldn't want it to be <laughs> would, the movie because it was it two would. hearts where it was about the heart transplant and it was really sad. So I know I don't want to be trapped in that movie. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the TV show, whichever one it was. Oh, Dave, Dave, how about you? That, that was a perfect example of critical thinking. You know what you don't want to do. <laughs> there you right. go. There you go. It's uh, it's uh, selection by exclusion. Um, what would I yes. do? I'm trying to think of what's the last last TV show that I was watching. Robin and I are watching a bunch of different ones. I, I was watching, um, I'm watching the old, uh, remember the show Psych? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm, I've been watching that. So I, I'd probably want to, I'd, I'd do that. I'd, I'd go live in that. Nice. Santa Barbara. And I just nice, remembered nice. what the last one I watched was, was Yellowstone. So I definitely oh, would, would okay. rather stay okay. in Yellowstone. Montana. Yeah, definitely. There you yeah. go. Yeah. There you go. What about you, Jeff? You Where are you uh, at? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to think of what we've been watching lately. I think the last movie I saw was Top Gun, which I mean, being a fighter pilot would be awesome, but also, you know, yeah, I don't know if I'd really want to be trapped in that. Um, <laughs> as far as shows, I've been kind of working my way. Actually, I'm like perpetually working my way through the seasons of Scrubs. Oh, yes. So so either that or my wife and I are, are looking at trying to, to buy a house in the not too distant future. And so we watch one like HGTV kind of home renovation show called Hometown, which is set in Laurel, Mississippi. And I don't know, it's cute southern town and... Like we just would get a house worked on, so that'd be kind of cool too. So I, I think I would pick the the TV show myself. There you go. Yeah. So are you saying yeah. you're going to move to the to the south, the southeast, like <laughs> Dave and I? Or are you? <laughs> uh, well, we we eventually someday will relocate out of California, but I I feel like we might go northeast. I think I I need winter okay. in my life, but uh, but I do love oh, I love the south too. It just doesn't have enough winter for me. Oh, we get plenty of winter. That's fair. <laughs> more than we I do, do that's for sure <laughs> well more than more than you far less than the northeast i'll, I'll, yes. I'll put it that way yeah for sure for sure all right well melissa thank you so much for taking some time out to uh, to come to talk to us about all this stuff today it was great to to have you finally on the vet tech cafe and um just get your perspectives and and have these discussions we really really appreciate the time i don't know are you going to be at ivex this year i hope so i'm planning okay. to be all right. We are as well. So hopefully we'll get to see you there. Yeah. Caffeinators, thanks again for tuning into another episode. We hope you enjoyed it and we will see you guys again soon. Bye guys. 
Hello, caffeinators! We wanted to thank Dog Days Consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the Vet Tech Cafe. They don't just do social media, they can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community and we are thrilled to be working with them. Check them out at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Hey, caffeinators! We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day.